When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com thrive. That's E-C-K. F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Greg Lederman. Greg has actually been on the program before, so we're welcoming him back. We're going to hear about what he's been up to, a new book he has. We're going to talk about really the role that or the, the work that you need to do as you're thinking about kind of above and beyond your company as a leader when you either are thinking about exiting or transitioning or even just in your company when you realize that... Uh, you know, there's more to life than business. And what do you do with that? I think a lot of leaders get very wrapped up in, uh, consumed by their businesses, and that can be good in some respects. It creates a lot of focus, but it can create uh, a lot of, or a lack of balance in a lot of things. So we're going to talk to Greg a little bit about how he helps leaders with that process, kind of thinking bigger picture about their life above and beyond their business and how you can apply some of the same thinkings that you do with your business to your life to get some focus and and purpose and structure uh, and really kind of gain some vision for where you want to go, why you want to go there. We're going to talk about his new book and we're going to talk about how he works with folks and a little bit of his own journey around this process. So with all that, Greg, welcome to the program. Great to be back, Bruce. Always a pleasure. Yeah. So before we kind of dig into the new book and what you've been focused on recently, how, you know, why, why this whole topic? I mean, I, I know this is, you know, kind of personal for you and kind of the journey you've been on, but Give us a little bit of the backstory of how you, how you, your own kind of entrepreneurial journey and business journey and how these questions started to come up for you and why that kind of led to the work that you're doing today. So when we were first got together, I believe it was for my living the brand program and focus, yeah. right? So yeah, I, I started out in the consulting arena and then in the professional speaking line of work. Gosh, I don't want to age myself too much, but over <laughs> 20 years ago now, but uh, I can't believe it's over 20 years. But uh, I was the values guy, right? I would come into organizations, help them define their values, and then integrate that into their people systems. And as you know, unless you get leaders aligned around who we are and how we do things, you never really get that culture and customer experience that you want. So after 15 or so years of that, I had developed a program on the personal values, which is what my latest book, The Great Life Now, is all about. It's a personal journey for putting a good game plan together for your life. And quite simply, I came to the conclusion that not only do you never have a great or a consistently good customer experience without a great work culture, but there are no great work cultures without enough great leaders. 
Yeah. And leadership really begins from within. What I learned over the years was those who are most self-aware, those are the best leaders. Yeah. And so if they believe this philosophy that leadership begins from within, which means you need to know who you are and how you think, speak, and act both at work and at home to be a great leader... Well, if you want a great work culture, you got to get enough of those guys and gals. Yeah. So that's what led me down the journey of not just focusing on corporate values work, but now the individual leader. Yeah. I'm curious, because I think I, I heard or read a statistic recently that, you know, most people are less self-aware than they think they are. <laughs> like, what is self-awareness from, you know, kind of your definition or, or how you approach it? And, and what are you looking for specifically inside leaders to help you figure out how self-aware they are and how you can help them kind of expand that awareness? Well, I think, first of all, it starts with knowing what are your values. You know, it really triggered me to start building the Great Life Now journey, which I started in 2010, started building this model out was because I would stand in front of groups of people talking about corporate values, but I want to use the analogy of your own personal values. And I still do this today in just about every talk. I ask the audience for either a show of hands or to text me, or I use a Slido type technology to say, how many of you have a set of core values that defines who you are, that guides how you think, speak, and act? And, it and it's such a small percentage of people that yeah. actually know that information. And that's only half the battle. I mean, Knowing who you are is key, but knowing what happened in your past that led yeah. to who you are is really important. So the short answer to your question is I look for people that are willing to have the painful, honest conversations with themselves on who they are and why, and then who they want to be and how they're going to get there. Yeah. And so, and, and what does that process typically look like for you? Like if you're working with somebody and, you know, maybe they have some inklings, but they really haven't codified it. They're, certain have, they're certainly not using it as a tool to make life decisions. Like what do they do, right? Is this, you know, go for a long hike in the woods and, uh, <laughs> and, and survive for a couple of days? Is this uh, deep meditation? Like what is the process that you have I them go through? I hope it's not the long hike, the, 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 the hike in the woods and survive a few days or I would not have made it. No, it, you know what? It starts with following a process and I'm very process oriented. So there's a couple of different ways that people go through it. What I started off doing was after teaching at the, in an MBA program for nearly 20 years and, and teaching this Great Life Now process and the tools and techniques, I finally codified it to use your word into a, into a book. And I wrote uh -huh. The Journey to a Great Life Now, which I started using with my one-on-one -on -one clients. But then uh -huh. I realized it was way too deep of a journey. Like it was just, <laughs> it really needed someone to facilitate them through it. So that's yeah. when I wrote the book. I think that I sent you a few months back called, yep. um, it's called A Great Life Now. It's this, uh -huh. almost the same title and it's a self-guided journey. So it's it. literally a series of exercise that you go through. And I've laid it all out as a game plan for all those sports enthusiasts. And you don't have to be a sports enthusiast to get it. But for any game that you're going to play, and, and I couch life as this like this big game we all play, and we need uh -huh. a game plan for it. So yeah. there's your pregame work, there's the actual game plan, and then you have to implement your game plan. So in yeah. the pregame work, let's assume your game plan is defining, a big part of it is defining your purpose and your strengths and, you, and, and your brand called you, what I call the rules for your game of life. Let's assume that's the game plan. Well, what's the pregame work you got to do? Well, you need to really dive in and understand what does happiness look like? Am I happy? Oh, geez. Yeah. What makes me happy? What doesn't make me happy? And then the F word is the biggest, most difficult part. The F word is fear, right? What fears do I have that, that I need to know about because they inform my game plan? They're fears that have helped me perform the way that I perform. But all too often, we all know there's a number of fears that we have that block us from achieving optimal success as a human, not to mention as a leader. So you've got to be willing to do that work. 
Yeah, give me some examples of fears that have kind of served people in some respects, but ultimately might, might become a blocker or a, a limiting factor when it comes to really thinking about the bigger picture. So look, I've seen all, all the fears in all different shapes and sizes, but I'll use <laughs> one of my own, right? Yeah. There's a, a handful of what I call the um, ego-driven fears. One of them is a fear of failure, right? Mm-hmm. I'd say I, that was something that I certainly had because of some of the childhood trauma I had as a kid. Well, yeah. that fear of failure, how did that manifest for me? Well, it caused me to work really long hours for a lot of years. Yeah. Right. So, but, but then I have to take myself through, okay, so there's been a benefit of that. I was able to build my companies over the years and sell a couple companies and, and have success as an entrepreneur. That fear of failure helped drive me. But there comes a point where you go, hey, it's time to free myself of that fear. Right. Cause I had yeah. too much stress, which I knew was decreasing my happiness. It was making me less successful, not just at work over time, but at home and in my personal life. Yeah. Right. So then you have to think about, okay, so now this fear of failure isn't serving me well. What am I going to do differently in the future? And so part of the game plan is figuring out how you leverage that fear or overcome that fear to move forward in your life. Yeah. I think it's fascinating. I think one of the things that I've learned, you know, personally over the years is that a lot of these values or a lot of these these things that serve you really, really well at periods of your life, you do, do you end up kind of holding your back or, or have they have kind of shadow sides that can start to leak out or start to overcome? How do you like how do you help people kind of understand what a value is and like when they're kind of going through the process, validate that yes, this really is a value for you, or this is maybe an aspirational, like something you'd like to be, but it's not actually a current value. Like how how, how do you actually sort of validate or, or it, verify values? In the model my clients use, those are in the same list. And I tell people, look, you don't want to have... So in, in the in, in the Great Life Now journey, the goal is to come up with five core values that represent either who you are today that you'd like to continue to be in the future based mm-hmm. on how you think, speak, and act. But also, who do you want to be in the future? Now, I do warn people... Don't come up with four values that you want to be, but you're not today, right? Park a couple of those in, I call it the parking lot, right? Put those in the parking lot, you'll revisit them in 12 months. But come up with the the half a dozen or less concepts. We usually shoot for five, I tell people, is the magic number. I have no (laughs) scientific research behind that, but it's the model I've used and my clients have used, and it seems to work. And it's usually a combination of three or four things that I really am today because this is how I behave and this is Uh how I think about life. And then it's okay to put a couple of things in there that represent what you want to be known for, because yeah. they're that to use your word there, aspirational. You aspire to be known as that. Yeah. Well, then now you got to do the work of activating that value, right? So now you have to put the behaviors behind it so you bring it to life. Yeah. Yeah. So what else is in pregame? So so values. You need to understand your values going into this. What else do you do to help people kind of prepare for this process? So a big part of the the uh, pregame is a value an evaluation of their life. I call it the pathway of life. Well, the first thing I do is have people figure out how many days they have left to Ooh, live. Interesting. Right? So I know that I've got about 14,000 days left based on living to, predicting that I'm going to live to about 95. <laughs> right? So they get to see that there's a, there's a, there's a large sum of, uh, of time, if you will, that you have left. Right? And then once we've gotten through that, I have them go through what I call the pathway of life. And so I have, I have the, your, our entire journey broken into three phases. There's that shaping phase, mm-hmm. the first 20, let's call it the first 25 years of your life where you're being shaped basically by others, right? Yep. And then there's the responsibility phase. 
That's where almost all of my audience finds themselves, right? They're in that, they're knee deep in that, that phase of all the responsibility yeah. of building the, building their companies, working for a company, just providing for everybody else. <laughs> and then you get to the third phase and, and usually that's age 25 to about 50 to 65, depending on the circumstance for the individual. And then you get to the savoring phase, which is a phase you think is just, it sounds wonderful, savoring, right? Like you don't have, <laughs> you don't have the same amount of stresses if you did it, if you did, you know, the same types of stresses you have in the responsibility phase. Yeah. However, you have different types of stresses. Like I'm in, <laughs> somewhat entering that savoring phase. I got yeah. a, ba a bad back right now that I threw <laughs> out the, a, a week ago that normally would have taken three days to get better. It's been 10 days and I don't yeah. even know that I'm much better. Yes. So you have different types, <laughs> you have different types of issues and, re and things that are that are concerning to you, if you will. But we, that's that's one of the first things that I do in that upfront. It's just do an evaluation of your life in these three phases. And what are we doing in there? We're looking at milestones you achieved during your shaping phases. You're looking at goals that you had and you achieved from when you were a child, right? And, and, and then current milestones you're achieving as well as in the responsibility phase, as well as things you, you know, you milestones you want to hit in the, in the years ahead. But also- in these two phases, we want to look at trauma, right? And trauma is a buzzword these days that seems yeah. to be getting tossed around a lot, but it's really critical that people look at trauma that they've been through, you know, and that's, that's key because if you, if you can't do the painful view of what went on in the past of the stuff you don't not tend to want to think about, then it's really hard to truly optimize the way you think, speak, and act because you don't really understand why you're thinking a certain way. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, I've, I've, you know, personally, I've been investigating this for, you know, the last 10 years or so, but it's, it's fascinating because you're consciously, you will suppress these memories, right? Like you will not want to think about them or, or you literally will suppress them, repress them. And so you don't think about them, but your nervous system still knows them acutely <laughs> and, and will react in very particular ways in certain situations. And it can be so confusing where you get in these situations and you get triggered and it's like a, a script you don't even know is playing. And it, unless you really get aware of and start to understand these things and start to work through some of that stuff, you're kind of stuck, right? You just, you won't really be able to move through these kind of responses that, that actually could really be holding you back. And even someone like me, I'm in this line of work and yeah. here I am, there are certain traumas that I was sugarcoating until I got well into my forties. I'm in, I'm in my fifties now, but, yeah. but my gosh, when I am um, like, I'll give you an example of a trauma that I did never thought about once yeah. until I did the pathway of, of life exercise and took myself through my own exercise. Yeah. One of the traumas that I faced was when I was in fifth grade, my parents decided because they didn't like the school. There were two middle schools in my town. And yep. by the way, I just started sharing this story for the first time. It's not in any of my books or anything. Yeah. Um, I just, I've only shared this story a few times. But my, my parents decided to send me to the other middle school, which was not where all my neighborhood friends went to because they didn't like the way my, my brother, I had a, a brother two years older than me. They didn't, they didn't like his experience and yeah. thought the other school was going to be better for me. Now, the only way to get me to that school 
was on the small bus, yeah. right? You know how you got the big buses and then you got the little bus? The little yellow now, bus. Let me take you back into 1980, okay? <laughs> I see where this is going. You know, yeah, you, like right now we'll call them the special kids, but yeah. you and I both know that's not what we the, what people on that bus were called back yep. then. But yep. I would ride that bus to school and the normal kids, they wow. took the big normal bus, right? Yeah. Yeah. All because my parents, not because I had a learning disability or anything, they uh -huh. just felt like it was going to be a better school for me. Yeah. Well, as it turns out, when I get when I really analyzed and did the deep work about some of the under, uncovering some of the the fears that have yeah. driven me, that small bus experience created some fears in me: fear of failure, for instance, yeah. fear fear of being judged. Yeah. Right. That Damn. that that I um I used in sometimes negative ways to get me to act, you know, think and act in certain ways, yeah. right? It, was, it did not benefit me in my adult life. I can tell yeah. you that. Yeah. Always trying to prove myself in ways that I didn't even realize I was doing. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted to prove that I'm not the kid on the small bus when you know yeah. what? I was the kid on the small bus. Yeah. No, that's fascinating. And, and I, I can see how until you uncover and process and deal with and become aware of those things, like all the other work you're doing can really be sabotaged or certainly held back. And, and so much of it happens during that first 25 years. Yeah. I mean, think about it. I mean, think about a baby born today. If you're going to predict what are the most important events that are going to take place in their life, the great majority of them, more than half, are going to happen in their first 20 years, yep. the first 25 years in that shaping phase I was telling you about. Yep. And, and by the way, I can send you the, if you want to pass out any of the, um, if anyone's interested in, in the exercise, I'd be happy to share it with people. Yep. But, but just we'll, think we'll about it. In the, before you even get to this responsibility phase that most of my audience is in right now, what are you doing in your shaping phase? At the very end of it, you're having children, you're getting married, you're going to college, you're falling in love for the first time, right? You're, yep. you're leaving home for the first time. You have your first job. These are the most memorable moments that a baby will ever have in their life. Yeah. Right? And they're, and they're happening in those first that first chapter, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yep. So this is all pre-game. So tell us about game plan. Like when you get into actually creating your game plan, what is the process? So this part of the process was inspired by my mom who passed away when I was young. And, uh, and she left behind a letter for me and my older brother that I got when I was 12 years old that shared her deepest thoughts about what it takes to live a great life, what yeah. it takes to live a happy and successful life. And I took away this inspiration around life is truly a game. And so you need this game plan, right? So what's mm -hmm. in the game plan? Well, it's all sparked by this quote she shared, which was, once you have self-worth, you can move mountains. So defining what your self-worth is and knowing what mountains to move are integral parts of this game plan. Now, self-worth, I've dressed up into this concept of know your brand, right? Know who, yeah. know who you are. What are your rules for the game of life, right? Your core values are your rules for the game of life. And when you're living them, you're overflowing with that self-worth. When you're yeah. not living by your rules or you don't even know what your rules are, and sometimes you're living the right way and sometimes not, your self-worth is depleted. So to truly have consistently high levels of self-worth, you've got to know your rules. That's a big part of that big part of the game plan. And then yeah. the mark, and then the, the other component that makes up the bulk of it are these mountains for growth, right? So my mom, Carol Lederman was her name. She said, once you have self-worth, you can move mountains. Those mountains are your physical fitness and health mountain, your emotional well-being mountain. There's seven of them, by the way. Your relationship mountain. You'll notice I'm hitting on all the main areas of our lives. If you're a human, then these, these seven mountains apply to you, right? Physical fitness and health, emotional well-being, relationships, Time and productivity, how you spend your time, yeah. your career, 
your finances is the sixth mountain. And then the last one is contribution to society around you. Yeah. In the game plan, you evaluate through an ep- some exercises I, that I provide, where am I today in each of these mountains and why? Why am I where I am? Yeah. And then in the second part of that exercise is where do I want to be, right? And, and putting some priority around that because at the end of the day, you don't want to be focused on your career mountain to the nth degree. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you've moved your career and your financial mountain, but you're you got three broken marriages and your kids don't talk to you, yeah, right? Okay. So rela- your yeah. relationship mountain's a mess, right? Yep. And, wh- and why would you focus on relationship all the time if your emotional well-being mountain isn't being moved in the right direction? Yep. So each individual has to put somewhat of a priority based on where they are at, at this moment in their life and have a plan for moving that mountain forward. Yeah. Is the goal or do you find that people come out of this process of, of the game plan with, you know, kind of goals or or things they want to do on all of the mountains or does it end up becoming like like two or three of the mountains really are the ones that really need attention and focus and that becomes kind of the the area of priorities so in the third phase the activation phase i introduce a habit activation process five steps to making any behavioral change happen in your life Uh what i encourage people to do bruce is pick one mountain sometimes two as (laughs) these are your priority for the next three to six months Okay. Do you work the model of actually changing behavior and moving that mountain? And then you can find, you can replicate the approach over and over again. Quite often, if I'm just doing a keynote in an event, it'll be one mountain. Everybody picks one mountain. They're going to move in the next 30, 60, 90 days. Uh Some corporate events, they want, you know, we do a personal mountain and a professional mountain. So at the most two mountains, because you don't want to be, I call it drinking from a fire hose, right? You don't want to drink from a fire hose. You want to drink from the garden hose. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, and it's stuff, you can't climb two mountains at the same time, right? That's kind of a... Yeah. And when I got started, you know, everything that I've ever done, I I always tell people, I start with me search, right? I always try things on myself first. So I'm going back to (laughs) 2010 when I started building this plan out, and it's 13 years ago now, and started building and trying out this habit activation process, which I've tried on now thousands of people, clients over the years. What I got to the point where I'm able to track 10 to 12 habits at a time, but you know, you got to walk before you run. You don't, you don't change everything all at once. So I usually recommend just picking one to get started with. Yeah. And talk to me about habits. I mean, this is something that I, you know, I've looked at for years and researched all sorts of people that look at, you know, habit stacking and, and habit combinations and, you know, various strategies around this. Where have you landed in terms of what constitutes a habit? How do you build a habit? What are good strategies for either increasing certain habits or decreasing habits that you don't want to continue. Yeah, it's interesting. Most people, when you think a habit, immediately go to the negative things you want to stop doing, right? <laughs> but a habit is, is literally any action, any thinking or doing action that you do over and over until it becomes almost effortless. And to the extent that you have more positive habits than negative in your life, you're going to be a more successful human. Yeah. Right. So there's there's a process for changing the way we think. I mean, we we're pre-wired to think about things in the negative fashion. I mean, it's just evolutionary. Yeah. Like, yep. I mean, we used to have to do that to survive as a be as as a being, our ancestors. Exactly. Right. They they we wouldn't be here if they didn't think about everything negatively. Like everyone's trying to, to kill me. <laughs> you know. But in today's <laughs> day and age, you have to you truly have to focus to be able to to retrain your brain to see things in a positive way. And so, you know, I, I, I narrow the habits down to two things. Again, I just mentioned them, thinking and doing. How do you have to think differently? What do you have to do differently? And then what I've done is I've created a really simple five-step process. The first is just pick the mountain you want to move. 
then of course you have to know why. You got to sell yourself on why. Why is that? The second step is why is this a benefit to me, right? If it's not a benefit to you, you're never going to do the habit. Yeah. Right. And then the third step is to go, all right, what are my thinking and doing habits that are going to move this mountain? And then the fourth step is planning for how you're going to fail, right? You have to tell yourself, this is how I'm going to screw up, right? Because the reality is, is nine out of 10 times people don't succeed. I think the research says 92% of the time we fail at, at achieving our goals, right? Yeah. Yeah. The reason being, because people don't prepare for failure, right? <laughs> when is that adversity going to strike? What's it going to be? For instance, if you say you want to move your physical fitness and health mountain, well, one of your, what is going to be one of the things that's going to cause failure? You get too busy, right? And you can't get yeah. to the gym, yeah. right? You get, to, that's going to be it. I'm going to say I'm too busy. So then you have to go back and create a habit that's, you know, that or some sort of a um, thinking habit or an action that's going to help you overcome that staying power obstacle, if you will. I call it yeah. a staying power obstacle. That's the fourth step. And then the fifth step of the process is simply asking yourself every day, did I try it? Not did I do it? Interesting. And this is the one part of my process that is, I think, a little unique and different from any of the other well-read processes, I've, You know, whether it's Atomic Habits or Durig's work. Yeah. It's just asking, did I try? What my clients have found and what I found is if you ask yourself every day, and I use just a simple app to track, Every day, here are the five habits I said I'm going to work on. Did I try to do it? Just yeah. asking yourself that question, if it's important to you, literally rewires your brain to stay focused on making progress over time. That's interesting. Yeah, because I could see that because it's, you know, it's hard to, you know, completion can be difficult and you can kind of excuse kind of completion. But if, if you're basically admitting to yourself, you're not even trying, it's like, yeah. a, it's like a whole nother level of, all right, come on. Bruce, what am I doing here? <laughs> then it doesn't matter. I open up yeah. most of my speeches saying 92% of people fail at achieving their goals. Yeah. If you follow my process, you will be in the 8% guaranteed. You will make yeah. progress, meaningful progress on achieving your goals, but you've got to follow all five steps of the process. Yeah. Yeah. Where are some of the other kind of trips or, you know, trip ups that people have around this whole process? Where is it not having the time? Is it not, uh, you know, following the process? Is it getting stuck in certain areas? You know, self-doubt? Like where, like when, when people struggle with getting through these three phases, like what typically is the struggle? The biggest one you just hit on, and I call it the most irrational excuse we all use. And I do, I used it for years. How I learned about it pain, in a painful way mm -hmm. was, was through a, a, you know, doing some painful honesty coaching with someone who helped me see when I said, I don't have time. Like that's the biggest excuse everybody uses. And I got to say, I don't have time. And you can quote me on this is probably the stupidest sentence in the history of words. I mean, it must be the stupidest sentence in the history of words. I yeah. don't have time. And nine out of 10 times, at least when somebody says that, they do not have a time problem. They have a priority challenge Yeah, because we Perfect. all got a lot of time. So yep. one of the things that I do, I address the time obstacle right up front with clients and in my program. And I say, look, you guys have, this needs to be your favorite number, 168. And then they're all <laughs> looking at me like, that is such a weird number. Why would that be my favorite number? Well, that's how many hours you get every week. Yep. And now I have them track their time for one week and they come back and realize they only sleep about 40 or 50 hours every week. Yep. They're only working about 40 or 50 hours every week. That leaves about 75 to 85 hours for everything else every week. Bruce, it's a lot of freaking time. I, I know. I remember, I remember you, you kind of showed me this, kind of the, the breakdown that you do. And I remember my 
ski coach, my cross country ski coach in ninth grade did this and, you know, just showed us like, cause, oh, we don't have time to train. And, and this was, you know, nine-year-olds, like we're going through like sleeping and schoolwork and all these extracurricular activity. Like he put all these things in there and there were still like 28 hours a week left. I know. Like, if you don't have time to train, like something's wrong. So it, it's, yeah. it's a priority challenge. And yeah. that's why I know a lot of smart people that say the stupidest sentence ever. I don't have time. Yeah. It feels like you don't have time because you've let everything else get out of whack. Yeah. Right. And that's why that you got to address the time. That's the biggest challenge, as you asked for. They, the biggest challenge of why people struggle. It's not yeah. usually that they don't care. They do. They either don't want to deal with the with their past yeah. that's influencing their today yep. and their future, or they're using the irrational excuse of I don't have time. Yeah. This that's it's there is a certain like when you get into this and you really realize that you kind of have to accept the fact that you have I don't want to use the word wasted have, have prioritized poorly for fifty years <laughs> and there's a little bit of regret a little bit like oh, like if I would have just figured this out you know forty eight years ago or something whenever you start to control things like I could have gotten a lot more done but it's you know it's kind of like the what is the Buddhist phrase like the best the best time to manage you know to do this work is forty years ago the second best time is today. Yeah. Right? Like the, the sooner you, you just start, just do it now because that's I, what you have control over. I actually had a client say that to me. He said, 10, he goes, the best time I could have ever done this was 10 years ago. Yeah. The second best time, I guess it's now. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. hey, I love that. That was a great quote. And I wondered where he got that from. Yeah. <laughs> what, and so what are some of the benefits? I mean, talk to me about, you know, the people that you've worked with, you know, in this process, like what have they achieved? What, like what has been some of the impact and the outcome for some of these folks? So there's two ways to look at it, because I still play in the organizational development, uh, leadership development space. So uh -huh. from a, just a perspective of humans that go through it, they're, you know, they're making life-enhancing choices that make them a better partner, a better family member, friend, and of course, leader, right? Because they're, they're acquiring the insights and direction and tools that they need that help them to be happier and more successful people at home and at work, right? I mean, they're literally building a game plan for how they think, speak, and act. But from a business perspective, one of the real benefits is organizations that are that are investing in the great the great life now, and I, I call it the great leader now as well. And it's the exact same program, but most of the time they title my my uh, commitment <laughs> with them, the great leader now. Yeah. It's the same exact content. But from an organizational perspective, it helps them to not just invest in their leaders. Everybody, you know, to a certain extent is like knows we got to invest in our leaders. But it positions the organ the organization to say to their leadership group, hey, we're going to invest in you, but you got to invest in yourself. Yeah. Right? And when they do this work, when they put that game plan together, they'll find that their goals and their values are more aligned now with the company's goals and values. Because I'd literally do an exercise called a values match and a goals match that makes sure that your values are aligned with the organizations, yeah. right? And at the end of the day, the types of habits they're working on usually help them at work, improve their communications and their focus on results, right? And when they're doing that well, you know what the business outcomes are gonna be. You're gonna have you know more engagement of employees. You're gonna have lower turnover, less absenteeism, right? And, and yeah. all that trickles down to a better customer experience. So. Going back to what we said right at the beginning, if you want to have a great culture, you need more great leaders. It's as simple yeah. as that. There's no yeah. shortcut. Yeah. This has been great. If people want to find out more about you, about the book, about the work that you're doing these days, what's the best way to get that information? Really just Greg, G-R-E-G-G, Lederman, just GregLederman.com, G-R-E-G-G-L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N.com. 
Awesome. I'll make sure the link is in the show notes here. Yeah, I put the link in there and that, that that's the best way to learn all about the different programs that I have. And I'm still doing the corporate work as well as the individual. So if anyone awesome. wants to get a hold of me, they can get a hold of me there. Yeah. Highly encourage people to go check it out. Greg, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. My pleasure, Bruce. Always great to chat with you. I love the questions. Fantastic. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.